Now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgeley. Oh, what a goal! For, For Chemist, Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The kings of storage moving and Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football. You're with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley to run the rule over the past week in the world game. First edition news with Willem van Dender and shortly, and of course during the show we'll be joined by our 250 game veteran of the Victorian Premier League and former Notts County man Dean Hennessy and our former ITN journo turned pundit Derek Dyson. And tonight it's a heavy focus on domestic football in the opening hour as we look at both ends of the ladder. Now when sporting seasons start, inevitably experts and fans alike love to make their forecasts. Now if you tip the A-League ladder to look the way it does, nearly a third of the way into the season, you'd have knocked Nostradamus off his perch. The biggest surprise of all is, of course, the Central Coast Mariners coming off the back of a brace of wooden spoons, reprising their glory days with coach Alan Stajic pronounced correctly, reinventing himself along the way. Looking forward to a chat with the man of the hour shortly. And down the bottom end of the ladder, of course, we're wondering if it's too soon to start talking about a crisis at the Melbourne Victory. A man who'll pull no punches on that question is uh, the ages. Michael Lynch, who will talk to as well. Of course, we'll wrap up the hour, as we always do, with a general look at the pile-on of fixtures around the rest of the A-League. In the second hour, Willem will kick off with second edition news and the latest on Socceroos and Matilda Central. Now, when we talk EPL, we do love to get a journal on from the UK on the line. But with Manchester City flying high in contention for the domestic treble, and who knows, maybe even the Champions League, we thought a chat with Australia's highest profile supporter of the Sky Blues, the great Simon Hill, would be in order. Looking forward to hearing Simon wallow, bask in the glory, as he inevitably will. Lots more in the Premier League and FA Cup to go through with Dino and Derek and the Champions League in the coming week, and we'll wrap it up, Michael, with stoppage time. Should be a fun show tonight, talking about uh, both ends of the A-League ladder. Yeah, and... and Rightly so, looking at the domestic game, the A-League has really been uh, a lot of fun over, over the recent uh, week, watching all of that. But uh, lo- looking forward to talking to Simon Hill. Is he Australia's most famous and most prestigious Manchester City, Manchester City fan, Rob? I think he is. I can't think of any more. Uh, yeah. There might be others out there, people screaming at their wireless right now. Willem so. van Denderen, do you think there's anyone? No, Willem's oh, a Manchester definitely United not a Man supporter. City fan. He's a, oh, no, he's he's a Manchester Dalton. United fan. I know yeah. that, but... Uh, no, no, we'll have to look at that, but I think I'm looking for, as we always do when we talk to Simon, it's good yeah. fun. But Willem, you've got some news. I do, Michael, and g'day, Rob. Football New South Wales are pushing for Heather Reid's removal from Football Australia's board, alleging she attempted to interfere with the election of fellow board member Stefan Kamaz. Kamaz was among the most vocal critics of the FFA's lack of clarity regarding Alan Stachich's sacking in 2019. He later described the review into the sacking as an absolute disgrace, a scam, a whitewash, and possessing zero credibility. Kamaz himself was elected to the board in December, while Reid has stated the recent claims have no credible basis and that she only inquired about Kamaz's suitability due to his public criticism of Football Australia. Michael, we are dredging up some old ground here and whether you think uh, either person is right or wrong or which side of the fence you might find yourself on, I personally just find it really difficult to see how this benefits the game at all going forward. No winners in this, Willem. Uh, it can only end in uh, fur- further degradation of the sports brand and uh, status, especially in in areas like government. But uh, my sources at Football Australia suggest that uh, the the disappointment level at head office with Anta Isaac and Football New South Wales is pretty extreme, that this is an overreach, that Reid is uh, 
looking to step down in November at the end of her term and won't seek re-election. So it's really a course of action that's not required and um, and people would like it to go away, including me. Well, what's the point ultimately? I mean, what are they going to achieve? You know, it's uh, October is when she stands down and uh, you just got to wonder uh, what this is all about. Um, you know, will it uh, come to anything? It, it, you just think people don't have to like each other in this world, do they? You know, but, um, but they can forgive each other and they can move on and we hope that that's what they do. I think Vince Regari in the City Morning Herald covered it uh, the issue pretty clearly and uh, concisely I think uh, that was a well-balanced sort of uh, perspective on it um, and um, you know at the end of the day so did Willem so oh, look I just wanted to go away because it's just not helpful. Western Sydney have joined the New South Wales Office of Responsible Gambling's Reclaim the Game campaign which challenges the normalisation of betting in sport. Chief Executive John Satsumas revealed, like many clubs, the Wanderers often have gambling sponsorships on offer, but that bettering the community was more important to the club. All Wanderers events will be gambling ad-free going forward, with players and staff to educate fans on the matter. Now, Rob, if you look at some of the vast and varied sponsors that Football Australia have secured over the past six months, Cucumbers, Mm -hmm. just for a start, it does show that these sponsors are out there if you're willing to look for them. So credit to the Wanderers for not taking the easy or the lazy option on this one. Yeah, it's a tough uh, decision to make, really. I mean, you look back at the days of the Formula One Grand Prix where they thought they couldn't get by without cigarette money and Mm -hmm. uh, they've uh, reinvented themselves. This discussion is, is a massive issue in Europe right now. You just have to look at the Premier League, the Championship, uh, any number of clubs and uh, and competitions that uh, that are dealing with this very issue. And uh, you know, as an ad man myself, it's a um, it's a question that, that I ask. And and uh, you know, we've looked at uh, sponsorship for our show as well, and uh, and the ethical basis on which we'd make those decisions. So uh, yeah, it's a tough one, but uh, hats off to the Western Sydney Wanderers. Yeah, eight out of the twenty Premier League sites currently have front of shirt mm. sponsors with some sort of affiliation to gambling. So yeah, fantastic to see the Wanderers uh, setting the tone in this regard locally. To W League News, Sydney FC have continued their unbeaten start to the campaign, putting four past second place to Canberra on Monday. Goals to Mackenzie Hawksby, Courtney Vine, and a double to Remy Seamson opened up a seven-point gap on Canberra, a sizeable lead as we tick past halfway. A day prior, a Molina Rares double helped Melbourne victory to a 4-2 win over Newcastle, which moves them back into the four on goal difference. Molina Rares, her goal started it. Can she score again? Yes, she can! Molina Rares with a double. Stepping has victory back into a 4-2 ascendancy. Michael, firstly, I'd like your comment on Sydney FC. Their 11 points are clear. That is, uh, is that an unassailable lead that's starting to get pretty emphatic? And secondly, a comment on Molina's Morewell Masterclass. Yeah, look, Sydney are looking uh, front runners, aren't they? Uh, they're, they're absolutely killing it. And, um, you know, those those two players you mentioned, Remy Seamson and Molina Ayres, are, in my view, uh, the two most exciting players that are in the W League at the moment. Uh, Molina Ayres has uh, just taken off where Natasha Dowie left off, sliding into that important number nine position at uh, Melbourne Victory, playing a very deep role and, and a cultured game. Uh, those people that have been watching her emergence uh, are really thrilled for her and the, the club at Melbourne Victory. So those two players, uh, for me, uh, you've only got to look at the Instat ratings. They rate them very highly and they won't be um, in the W League for long. I think there'll be international suitors clubs in Europe that'll come in for those two players pretty soon and that's what we want out of the W League for sure. And Ed, we know, anyone who listens to this knows shows you're very heavily or closely connected with Melina Rare's story and her career. Uh, it must be something that personally you're really uh, happy to see. For a player like Melina who's um, just committed her life to her to development of her craft and uh, her physical preparation as well as her mental and, and talent and skills and uh, and uh, you know believing in a, a group of coaches that believed in her and, and, uh, and, and Remy's the 
the same, I'm sure, you know, the, her backstory and support from family and friends, you know, those types of um, emerge, those players that emerge in that way, uh, they don't do it on their own, they do it with a, with a group of, of supporters around them and uh, it's just so exciting to see someone get rewards for all the hard work they put in. Speaking of rewards for hard work put in, Michael, Newcastle have announced Craig Deans as their permanent manager on a deal which runs until the end of next season. Deans has been Jets' interim boss since October when Carl Robinson departed for Western Sydney. As I said, it's the culmination of a long stint at the Hunter for Craig. He's managed the W League for a long period, the youth setups as well, and he's been an assistant and caretaker a couple of times. So he is the Jets through and through, and he's been getting a bit of a tune out of, with respect, a pretty thin playing stock uh, at times with Newcastle. So I think that's the right decision. Yeah, I think he's doing really well, isn't he? And uh, it's a Newcastle story and uh, good on them for, for making that decision. And I hope that he can continue to be, to be successful. They've got a couple of players coming in, including uh, one very high-profile um, Asian player um, out of uh, out of Europe. You've got some news on him. Yeah, we'll discuss both of those gents who are coming from Malaysia in the A-League segment. Yeah, so th- there's a very exciting recruit coming into Newcastle. You know, I, I'm tipping he'll become a... Uh, a real cult figure and a very popular player in the rest of Asia. The FFA Cup will make its long-awaited return this weekend with 31 preliminary matches to be played across Queensland. It will be the first edition to include an ACL slot on offer for the competition's winner, while only 10 of 12 A-League sides will make the last 32. Pine Hills FC against Robina City Shapes as the biggest clash of the weekend. If you just can't wait, you can watch that uh, live-streamed on Facebook and the My Football Live app this Saturday night. And Rob, action in WA and Victoria will commence next weekend. So thank goodness it's back, and I think mm. it is genuinely an improved edition of the FFA Cup that we're going to see. And just by the by, it'll be the last actual FFA Cup we're going to see because they're in consultation to see what it's going to be called going forward. The yeah, Australia well, Cup, let's hope. Surely. We'll find out. What, Sunshine George Cross, is that where the uh, the trophy yep. uh, last lived and was found on a junk heap there? Yeah, no, super uh, exciting to see the FFA Cup uh, as we, you know, tentatively emerge from COVID and, and life starts to begin to, to get back to some sense of normality. These are the sort of the next level and layers of football that we want to see, that community level. And I can't uh, um, tell you how much I'm looking forward to visiting um, your uh, home club, the Burgers, and having one of those famous Suvlaki's Edge because uh, I've seen that smoke and and just looking at it, I could sort of salivate as I watch it and uh, you just say how good they are. Uh, well, I know they've put some new exhaust fans in the uh, mm-hmm. renovated kitchen down there, so maybe the, the smoke that will become bellowing out of the kitchen will be bigger than normal Rob and uh, we'll give a bit of that atmosphere and a, and a renovated mm. Olympic Village too very nice and a final one from me guys Adelaide United have welcomed back Craig Goodwin until at least the end of this season having been loaned back from Saudi side Al Weda it's going to be his third stint at the club he last left 18 months ago of course following a brilliant campaign in which he spearheaded their FFA Cup final victory. He of course follows Mitch Duke and also returning from Saudi Arabia. They've got plenty of wingers, Michael, but not a lot of experience at Adelaide. Craig's 29, a sometime soccerer. I think that's a, a really big signing. He's a very good player and he's a really uh, an Adelaide person uh, at that club. But just a big shout out to the creative people at Adelaide United on the social media. If you get a chance, Rob, um, just flick through the, the Twitter feed of Adelaide United and see mm. the, the fine work they did with, uh, with Craig's announcement of coming home and his input from quarantine was very funny. Okay, I will. Um, I have been looking at uh, a little bit of social media on another school, which I might refer to in our next chat with Alan Stajic. Alan Stajic, we'll get to the bottom of all that, but one way or the other, he's the boss at the Central Coast Mariners and they're going amazing. It's been a long time since we had Alan on the show and we're looking forward to talking to him about some positive news after all this time as he's uh, reinvented himself uh, as uh, an A-League coach. All right, stick around. Alan Stajic, next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe- 
for Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The kings of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on 9 Radio, NTS News Talksport. And I said off the top of the show, when uh, the fans and the experts alike made their predictions around this season, I don't think there was anyone who predicted that the top of the ladder was going to look like this about a third of the way through. Uh, I wonder if our next guest, uh, the manager, uh, coach of Central Coast Mariners, Alan Stacic, thought the so himself. Alan, welcome back to the show after a long time. Yeah, thanks, guys. How are you going? Yeah, we're really good, mate. And, uh, look, uh, I don't mind putting my hand up and saying that uh, having spent a lot of my youth on the central coast of New South Wales with my family, <laughs> lots of memories of going to Terrigal and the entrance and Berkeley Vale, Booker Bay, all those great places, mate, fishing on the under the Rip Bridge, Chittaway Point, you know, that uh, I've got a real soft spot for the central coast Mariners. And, uh, you know, the club just burst out of the blocks when the, uh, the A-League started. But uh, the last few years, uh, it's been a while uh, uh, sort of, um, well, it's been difficult to remember the golden days until the last uh, couple of months. Uh, uh, Alan, in your wildest dreams, I guess your wildest dreams would have thought about this, but you just must be glowing. Yeah, look, exactly right. Um, but, you know, <laughs> I've been saying numerous times over the last three, four, five days and even the last couple of weeks, um, we've had a great start. We're pleased. There's a lot of belief and confidence and, and we've laid a good platform. But, look, our feet are firmly planted on the ground and, and we know how well we're going, but there's still so long to go and for us to really turn the fortunes of the club around full time. And from a personal point of view, uh, you know, any football fan and certainly those of us listening, they, they know the journey from the Matildas to the Mariners. Uh, uh, doesn't life change uh, as uh, a person when you, you battle through some hard times uh, to enjoy the good times again? Uh, and, and the culture you've built at the Mariners is, is one thing that just seems to be that, that sort of um, intangible that uh, is so difficult for, for great clubs to, uh, to build. They will talk about culture, but to have a great culture is another thing altogether. Is there anything that you can put your finger on to, to explain to us uh, what's happening um, at uh, Gosford and, uh, and for our listeners? For me, culture is just a collective of all the behaviours within the group and whether that's coaches or players or, or administrators, the culture is the one that you all set together as a group and, and that's what we've got at the moment. We've got a great leadership group within the playing group. We've got a fantastic coaching staff. We've got a supportive admin and, you know, when all those things are pointing in the right direction and when everyone's aligned and fighting for each other, then, then that's the culture you develop and, and that's the platform you have to work from. And, and that's where we've got to at this point and, and it's a winning culture at the moment. But, you know, it'll, it'll be tested throughout the year. I'm sure we'll have some ups and downs and that's where we'll really be tested. But, look, I couldn't be any prouder of the way Ollie and, and Matt Simon and Birgitte and, and Ty, uh, Ty Rolls are in our leadership group are leading the group at the moment. Bowman looking immediately for Quill! Can you believe it? It's 3-2. He's got a brace off the bench. And it's 3-2. The Central Coast on top, turning it around again. Well, that man is Alou Quoll, and he has lit the A-League alight. He's top goal scorer, uh, five goals uh, sharing it uh, at the moment. Um, Alan, you've had an enormous track record in developing young players in the women's and men's game, but can you just tell us a little bit about uh, um, Quoll? Um, he, he just seems to be a bit of a cult figure at the moment, but he's such a great story. He was overlooked by Melbourne Victory, overlooked by Melbourne City. Uh, he found his way to the Central Coast, and you've really got the best out of him. But how excited should the Australian football public be about it, uh, this young boy's future? We're obviously very excited to have him. He's such a, you would have seen that on the TV already, and the way he plays and the way he interviews is such an infectious, charismatic type kid. He's, uh, he's bubbly. He's, he's, um, he's got a 
he's got a funny sense of humour and, and he's just great to have around the group. And, and look, he's just learning. He's, he's only barely a year into a full-time sort of pro environment and, and this is just the first few steps for him along his journey. And, you know, again, he'll have some ups and downs in his career and, and we're giving him a good platform for that at the moment, the way, you know, he's been educated by the coaching staff and by the leadership group around him and the rest of the boys. So, look, we're really proud of him at the moment, but we're really trying hard to keep his feet planted on the ground as well, a little bit like our team and, and ensuring that he just keeps learning and growing and hopefully has a, has a prosperous career ahead of him. It's been a while since uh, he debuted in that 50th F3 derby in that famous post-match interview. Uh, uh, Vince Regari wrote a, an article about him recently and sort of uh, showcased his uh, his uh, exotic uh, personality. Uh, and he described him as a, a pure force of energy, quick, powerful, raw and unrefined. It sort of seems to be a, a fair description of him. And uh, uh, and, and the fact that um, that you've got him as, as a player, it... it, it seems to talk to that culture there was also an article we read recently where he's uh, he's got a neighbor who's an old fellow who's a mad mariners fan as well and uh, he's really um becoming uh, a, a well-rounded young man away from his family and uh, and a great representative for your club he's uh, living with ruan tonyuk as well at the moment who, who's an excellent role model for him and, and his younger brother's just joined our academy now as well so look there's a good group there and and there's a good environment there for him at the moment. It's safe, you know, it's a good learning environment for him. And, and as I said, we're just really happy for him at the moment and happy that things have worked out for him because the stronger he is, the stronger we're going to be as a club moves forward. This is Box to Box on 9 Radio NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to Alan Stajic, the coach of the Central Coast Mariners. Alan, you only can get better. You've got uh, your imports that have been... Uh, now out of quarantine and, and starting to find their feet at training. Can you tell us about uh, Yonotta, Urena uh, and Yankovic and um, uh, how um, how they might improve the, the, the team as uh, as they uh, as they get their feet under the desk, so to speak? Just looking around at all the clubs, all the all the foreigners that have come in a little bit later, it's just really tough. tough. They've missed the whole pre-season and, and on top of that, they've had to spend two weeks in quarantine where where they can do practically nothing other than, you know, an exercise bike if they're lucky. So, look, just playing catch-up on their own fitness, let alone coming to grips with the, the team, the chemistry within the team, the tactics within the team, it's obviously very, very tough. But, look, I thought Marco uh, took some giant strides forward last game. Um, I thought he started to show some of his experience in his leadership on the pitch. He's, he's a fantastic character off the pitch as well and, and really guiding people like Alou off the field. You know, being two or three World Cups now and the famous... Costa Rican uh, run in the, uh, in the 2014 World Cup for the quarterfinals. So, look, he's a great, great person that we've added to the squad. You're not the same, such an experienced player and, and probably one of the most technically gifted players in our team, to be honest. So, look, we're just giving them time. We're going to be really patient with, with him and Yankovic and Urenia and just make sure we give them enough time so we really see the benefits uh, from them, you know, from the middle part of the year to the end. We know for A-League clubs, um, getting the international foreigners is, is a big, getting it right is a big part of uh, being successful. Um, just in the COVID period, Alan, h- how difficult was it to, one, identify your targets, two, uh, make decisions about who to recruit, and then actually just the logistics of getting them to Australia? Um, I think a lot of fans around the country just uh, may, may not be aware just how difficult it's been. Any time, any time, any season, it's extremely difficult. You could probably double, triple or even control group or the difficulty this year um, in terms of getting to know the players. Uh, we did a lot of Zoom calls uh, with various players. For me, character was the number one requirement. Um, I wanted to bring in the right kind of people rather than just a player and a footballer. Um, and that's how we selected the three that we did. 
Um, so that was obviously the, the starting point. But even once we agreed to terms, just physically trying to get them into the country was near on impossible, uh, trying to get through the visa requirements and the permit entry requirements and the flights. As we know, so many Aussies, so many Aussies are stranded around the world and, and um, you know, just being able to get them into the country was extremely difficult. So, yeah, it took at least two or three months just to get them in. Well, it's uh, it's something that uh, that other sports, uh, you know, they talk about getting players from one state to the other in this country, let alone uh, the, the issues that football has to deal with. Um, you talk about culture. We've talked about international players and rising stars. But if there's one uh, bedrock player that uh, that screams everything about uh, the Yellow Army, it's uh, it's Matt Simon. Uh, crossed a milestone recently. Uh, could have retired, but stayed around. Just how important is he to the whole thing that's going on at the? Uh, at the uh, Blue Tongue Stadium right now? Oh, look, he's the core. He's the core of the group. Uh, and, and we've added out Oliver Zanich to that sort of core as well this year. But just to have Simo around, uh, such a presence around the group, such a presence at training, um, such a force on the field, a leader on the field. Um, and, and just to show some of that emotion the other night, uh, it was just really good to see, you know, really good to see the, the motivations that are driving him to keep playing at the level he is and, and to me, he's probably playing the best football he has in the last three, four, five years and maybe even longer. So, you know, we're, we're really pleased the impact he's having, one, on the team and two, on our season this year so far, for sure. And, Alan, before we let you go, um, we uh, have been watching closely the Twitter war between Brenton Speed and Lucy Zelichester, who was the first to pronounce your name correctly. So I went straight to one of the sources and uh, he gave me this little clinic uh, this afternoon. Live from <laughs> Club Marconi Stadium. Alan, stay chitch, stay chitch, stay chitch. Alan, stay chitch. <laughs> so, Alan, Alan, that was obviously not Lucy Zellich. So, uh, a big shout out to our mate Brenton Speed from Fox Sports, uh, who uh, who got it right, and uh, and we've been attempting to do something similar for you this evening. Geez, Alan, we've been calling you one name for like ten years now. Now this happens. So tough, you know, having grown up the first second generation Aussie and you know having <laughs> having that tricky tricky J in front of the C and the E and Alan and only one L I've had to spell my first name my surname <laughs> my whole life and I was, you know eventually it just settled on stage as I went through high school and and you know so so forth but you know Speedy sat with me a couple of weeks and I don't even know how we got around to talking about it, but yeah, I think Stachich would be the correct pronunciation. <laughs> got to give him a bit of credit for, for an, you know, an Anglo guy, he's, he's done it 100%, give him 10 out of 10. Beautiful. And to Lucy as well, to credit to her, she uh, makes a, a career uh, out of pronouncing names correctly. Yeah, I'll give her a nine. If she, if okay, <laughs> oh, okay, controversy. <laughs> Especially for a bulk, and I thought she should have done a bit better, to be honest. <laughs> Good on you, mate. Hey, Alan, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we've, uh, we just love watching uh, um, great stories like this emerge, and the A-League needs great stories. Uh, there's, uh, there's someone on every corner who wants to, to put the boot in, uh, uh, but the, uh, um, the competition needs positive news, and this is a real positive story coming out. And uh, I think uh, the longer it goes on, the, the sporting public of Australia and, and the media will only take more and more notice of it. So uh, good luck for the rest of the season and we hope to talk to you again real soon. My pleasure, guys, and thanks for your support as always. Not at all. Alan Stajic, Alan Stajic, whatever you prefer, they're on the top of the ladder. They're doing brilliantly. The Central Coast Mariners. Okay, I tell you, tell you, he's not doing a very well, Edge. Yes, uh, Melbourne victory. Exactly. We're going to talk to Michael Lynch from The Age about what's going on there. Crisis time? I think so. All right. We'll talk to Lynchy and find out from him next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? 
for Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The kings of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most Yes, this is Box to Box on 9 Radio NTS, news, talk, sport, broadcasting around Australia, around the world. If you're listening to us on a podcast, cheerio to you and thank you again for your support. We started off the show talking to Alan Stachich from the Central Coast Mariners about the wonderful news that's happening up at Gosford. Nothing good about what's happening at Amy Park uh, under the watch of Grant Brebner right now and to talk to us about it is our good friend from The Age, Michael Lynch. How are you, Lynchy? Yeah, not so bad, chaps. Hope you're well on the uh, on this lovely warm weather. Finally, some summer, eh? Oh, we are, mate. Uh, it's absolutely gorgeous. A bit of humidity doesn't, uh, um, you know, uh, improve things too much, but uh, it's... You know, no, hey, who's complaining? I've, got, I've got no thermostat, so I don't care. <laughs> Good on you. Mate, um, Lynchy, um, is it too soon to start talking about a crisis at the Melbourne Victory? Uh, there's just, I mean, apart from a, a little a bright spot a few a couple of weeks ago, um, there's very little good news coming out of the club right now. Yeah, I think it's way too soon to start talking about a crisis. We're only six games in, um, you know, so you've got to give the team, the club, everyone involved with it at least half a season before you can start to make, I think, properly informed decisions. Having said that, the you know, since since the club went into the hub, um, you know, they've basically won two out of eleven A League games. Um, that was alleviated by um what most would regard as an overachievement in the Asian Champions League, which gave them credits in the bank. So I did write something today. I spoke to club uh, people connected or close to the decision makers. I can't say who I spoke to. It's, it was all off the record. But the uh, message I got was very much that, you know, we're not in any mood to change anything and it's early doors and uh, this has been a remarkably difficult season. But um, that's a story that probably needed to be written now just because of the manner of the last four defeats and the way the situation's going. If it was Central Coast Mariners, you wouldn't be writing this story. If it was Newcastle Jets, you wouldn't be asking after six games, you know, is there a question mark about the coach? But this is Melbourne Victory, a club that has, through the inception, since the inception of the A-League, styled itself as the biggest team in the competition. And it's got the numbers to prove it. You know, um, with its four championships and consistently the largest membership. So that's probably why things like these, those questions are starting to be asked now, whereas they wouldn't be about smaller clubs. But does it mean it's a crisis? No, it's just the sort of question as a journalist you do have to ask. Lynchy, Melbourne Victory supporters say to me there's two key questions at the moment. The first one is, did Melbourne Victory make the right decision employing Grant Brebner on the basis that he didn't have experience at, uh, at senior level to the extent a club of its size may have uh, suggested uh, it needed? I tend to look at this as a duopoly, actually. Grant Brebner's the front man, and everyone at the time knew he had almost zero um, experience as a head coach. He himself said it. I remember that in June, uh, uh, he ruled himself out of even applying. Do you recall at the I time? I do recall. Did, yeah, I do I recall. He talked himself down. Everyone else. Yeah, he said, you know, Arthur Pappas was in the frame, John Aloisi was in the frame, and Brebner said he didn't have enough experience, blah, blah, blah. Well, 
for one reason or another, probably a lot to do with COVID and money, he did get the job. Although, you know, they, they did make the point that they wanted to um, find back or rediscover the victory culture. And, you know, Grant is someone who is synonymous with that victory culture because he, he joined the club, I think, in the second season, didn't he? You know, only won two titles and he's been more or less associated with them ever since. That said, I don't, I don't see the decision to hire him um, in isolation. They very quickly brought in a bloke who's an ex-Premier League football club manager. Uh, an ex- a guy who's also been a coach at Chelsea and at Reading and managed Blackburn Rovers in the Premier League for two seasons. Now, he obviously had a pretty patchy relationship with a Rovers fan, but he was still a Premier League manager for a year and a half. So he was brought in to be the assistant. So I don't tend to see this as Grant Brebner all on his own and you, you hammer Grant Brebner. I see it as a duopoly. Yep, Brebs is the head coach and he's the front man, but I see Steve Keane very much as virtually, you know, uh, uh, separate but almost equal. Do you know what I mean? If you're going to slaughter Brebner for the uh, tactics and the results, Steve Keane has to take a fair cop- a fair measure of the uh, criticism as well, surely. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point, Michael. That's why we got you on the show. The other question that Melbourne City, sorry, Melbourne Victory fans are asking me uh, and they want some exposure to is the back office, the, the guys that make the decisions in the back office, Trent Jacobs, Drew Sherman and Paul Trimboli. We obviously know Paul Trimboli uh, backwards in terms of his length of tenure in the game and expertise. Uh, the, the question revolves around recruiting, the international players that they bring in the club. The fans think that they've been off the mark for maybe three seasons and should this uh, group of people carry the can for some of those decisions that are leading to a lack of performance? Well, of course they'll come under scrutiny for um, the decision. I'm, I'm trying to think of a hit that Victory have had in the last few years. Honda was, for me, in the end, a bust. Not because he wasn't a terrific footballer. We all know he was, but he just never played enough. Yeah, he was too right. injured. Yeah. So to me, for the money they paid for him, he was a bust. Yeah. Um, seven, seven, six or seven good games, but he just wasn't available. So to me, that's a failure. Probably Leroy George was on field the best in recent years, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. But he left the club. He was scathing about the club. He was scathing, yeah, he was he was scathing was about the culture, the, the professionalism of the players, the coaches. He, 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 he couldn't say anything good about the club when he left. Yeah, I know. But he was their most successful, probably, foreign crew yeah, yeah. in terms. Look, last year was a bust. It was terrible. Now, aside from Ola Toivonen, Ola Toivonen is better than Leroy. Mm-hmm. So Toivonen was probably the best since Matthew Delpierre. Mm, that's not a great that's not a great strike rate for a, a club which as we said is purportedly the biggest in the league with the biggest fan base I mean in you know in Australian terms we're talking and don't say this comparison is fatuous I know it's fatuous but it's all relative and scalable in Australian terms victory is like Real Madrid or Barca in Spain compared to the other Spanish clubs its relationship with the other Australian teams uh, or it's like Manchester United or or, or City or Liverpool you know it's, it's a fatuous comparison I accept that but in scalable terms it's a workable kind of simile that we can operate on so um, 
for five years, yeah, it's been very, very poor with its recruiting. Um, who actually is doing all the recruiting? It's uh, it's a difficult one sometimes to get your, your finger on and how much are they actually investing in it? Are they actually going to see these players overseas? Probably not. You know, um, they're watching DVDs. They're talking to agents. How good is their due diligence? Well, on the evidence of the last few years, you'd probably have to say not very good, apart from Ola Toivonen, and, you know, who... John Grimaud, uh, who is an agent who was very close to Kevin Musket because he had a long relationship with Muskie from his playing days um, and knew, knew Kevin very well. Uh, Ola Toivonen brought it was brought in by John Grimaud, but uh, I don't know quite what Trimmer's relationships are with um, with uh, other agents. I mean, I tried to ask these questions last year, and from memory, I did get an answer. And I, I was told that essentially Marco Kurtz had decided on the recruits last year uh, and it was the marquee players or the big money players who had to be ratified by the board and it was the board who had the final say. So if you're going to say they're recruiting us with a handful of exceptions in the last couple of years, Ola Toivonen and, and uh, perhaps Leroy George been... Um, been not very good, you might point the finger at the board, you know. Well, Lynchy, um, you say there's no crisis. I think if I was listening carefully enough well, for the beginning. Yeah, I know, it's I know. Too to say. It's only mm-hmm. two. If they go out and win the next two, mm-hmm. crisis. There's three, you know, and they're suddenly shooting up the table and they're mm-hmm. fifth, and everyone will be right. Victory's recovery is on mm-hmm. a roll. Mm. It, it, I think you need to, you know, you need to go. This is only a 26 game season. So I think you need to go to at least 10, 11, 12, preferably 13. Now, fair and enough, Lynch, we, we're all, you're, you're, look, you use the, an analogy from one of your favourite other um, pastimes, not pastimes, sports. Uh, they don't give the Melbourne Cup to the horse that passes the winning post the first time round. So so let's just watch this space. I know they were my words and obviously not yours, yeah. but uh, we're going to review this in a few weeks' time. And Jeepers oh, Creepers, the precious mountain, Rob. It is, it is, it is. Oh, Lynchy, we, we better wrap it up there, my friend, because um, we, uh, Tommy is oppressing. Uh, so yeah. we might just re- revisit this in a, in a few weeks' time if you're okay with that. Yeah, oh, certainly. But as I said, you know, I'm, we all make calls based on the circumstances as we read them. I've always felt making judgments six, seven games in is too early. You need a half season. Where Brebner's concerned, it's not just Brebner. They knew he was absolutely wet behind the ears. That's why they brought in the next Premier League manager. So you can't hang Brebner out to dry on his own. All right. Well, you're a good man. You're... Firm but fair, Michael Lynch. Thank you very much. Hard, firm but fair. Can you say? Can you say hard but cruel? Hard but cruel. <laughs> Thanks, Lynchy. Cheers, bye. Michael Lynch, always hard but cruel, firm Love but you. fair. Whatever you like him, he uh, doesn't pull any punches. All right, more Lee, more Alec after the break on Box to Box. Box to Box. For Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, the kings of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial. Yes, this is Box to Box on Nine Radio NTS News Talks. But we talked a lot of A League so far in the Pope program with Alan Stachich and Michael Lynch. We're going to talk more in a moment, but before you do, the offer is about to expire. What offer am I talking about? Yes, it's the Storage King one month free offer ends on Monday, the 15th, close of business. So if you're moving, renovating, 
you need to declutter your home or office, you need to call Storage King now. Because when you store before the 15th of February, you will get one month storage free. That's right, one month storage free. So visit storageking.com.au to find your nearest store and let Storage King give you back some space. Conditions to apply. Storage King, our very good friends at Storage King. They are the kings of storage, moving and more. And Willem loves the jingle. I thought he was about to start singing at Dumnut for a moment there. One day you will. We do that some weeks. Mm. Yeah, yeah, we do. If you're moving, selling, shifting, renting. Store it. With? Storage King. Exactly. There go. Acapella group. No, but <laughs> Rob sings it pretty well, actually. Give it, go, give it another go, Rob. Just for our listeners. We're the kings of the storage business. We're, We're the, the biggest, biggest in the nation. nation. There's a million reasons why you'll need us. But one, one solution. Well done. Yeah, it does my dad's head in when I used to walk around the house singing that one. Oh, did you? Yes, well done. You should get it on your dial tone. <laughs> a big shout out to our good friends, Michael Tate, David Scanlon, Tony Scalius, David Redmond, Gary Steekstra, Russell Pike. Who am I missing? Michael Alafaci, the Italian stallion himself, all our friends at the head office. We better talk A-League. We had Roberts round eight of what has been, in my opinion, the best A-League season in at least five years. We're going to start with MacArthur and Adelaide United at Campbelltown on Friday night. Of course, the first meeting between these two sides and MacArthur, as we know, is still yet to win uh, at their home ground. They're returning from, uh, well, it was a good effort midweek to uh, get the points against Brisbane. I still think, Michael, they were very precise, very systematic. Only really Tommy Orr provided a point of difference in driving with a bit of pace uh, and a bit of freedom. I think that's going to work sometimes. I don't think it's going to work every time. Adelaide need to turn it around after their loss to the glory. They're winless in their last five away. We talk about them being a different prospect at home or away. Well, there's the stats to uh, back it up. A few wins. MacArthur will get back Jovanovic, Puyo and Meredith. Uh, Adelaide will have Nyonga Biri and Fergus Lynch will get his first taste if he comes off the bench. Interestingly, a little bit of chatter on social media whether MacArthur's better off without Mark Milligan or with Mark Milligan. Mm. Interesting, but uh, I think MacArthur is starting to show us they've got a little... Yeah, they are very systematic. That's the way Militich coaches, but um, I actually, we're starting to see a little bit of quality there. International players are starting to hit, the, hit their straps a little bit. So uh, I'm expecting MacArthur to win this game. Um, Adelaide, um, they've been great. I mean, they've been really, really good, and they'll get better with some of these players that they're, uh, they're recruiting. Um, but... For me, MacArthur might just have a bit too much quality. I think they should win it because they rested a number of players for that win against Brisbane. So guys should be. It was a a less experienced front six that they put out. So people should be rested and ready to go for this one. On Saturday afternoon, we'll have Western United against Sydney FC at Amy Park. Now, Mark Rudin was seething after the loss to the Central Coast. He said, I've been, I'm paraphrasing here, he said, I've been very loyal to some players and they've got no excuses left if they find themselves out of the team for this week. So expect a few changes. I think maybe Max Burgess and Dylan Pereus. Pereus is definitely due a start, I think. They are down in 10th with five points. Even though they haven't been that bad, Michael, it's time to uh, get a wriggle on. And Bessart Barisha's post-match interview was absolutely sensational. When he asked, when they asked um, Bessart what went wrong, he said things were going perfectly until the 65th minute, <laughs> and it went all pear-shaped after that. What happened in the 65th minute, Rob? You're about to tell us. Bessart was substituted. Exactly. So that was a backhanded coach for Mark, backhanded comment for Mark Rudin. So if uh, Pierre Pierre starts, you maybe think that Bessart won't. Um, but I must admit, Bessart gives them a lot of structure. I'd be uh, a little bit worried if uh, he didn't start. But it's a massive match, though, this one. I mean, uh, two, two teams that uh, it is massive, are, are yeah. not doing uh, particularly well right now. I mean, uh, Sydney, uh, you know, obviously uh, the uh, champions and the premiers and uh, the golden team over the last few years, uh, a loss here really starts to, to put them into that sort of 
um, middle of the pack, firmly in the middle of the pack position, then you start asking questions about top four finishes, don't you? That is true, but I think worryingly for non-Sydney FC fans who want to see a bit of a change in the natural order, Costa Barbarossas, who we've stuck the boot into, Michael, over the past <laughs> few years, was back in He got form. the box-to-box. He got the reverse box-to-box. We gave him a pasting and then he returned with... He returned serve on us. But it was a backhanded one because we do like Costa. Well, I did like Costa until he left the victory, Rob. Uh, <laughs> and a word for Chris Savella, who unfortunately has looks like he's done his knee again, which is a real shame. It's a mm. career that has really hardly gotten going, so all the best to him there. Saturday night, Western Sydney against Melbourne City. Uh, a huge clash again for both sides, particularly City. Wanderers undefeated in their last six, so that's the Robinson effect starting to take hold, and I think they could have had three points against MacArthur. Uh, they were good against victory, Rob. Last week we spoke about them being the better side in games, but not being able to, to sort of lock it in and get the three points while they did on this occasion. Graham Dorrance has had a good week. He scored two goals and he probably should have been sent off, in my opinion, for rearranging Marco Rojas's face. City struggling big time down in ninth with just six points and on a three-game losing streak, which they haven't done remarkably since the Melbourne Heart days. I think Nuno Reese looks pretty good uh, up top. Jamie McLaren has 13 and 13 against the Wanderers. How do you see this one playing out, Michael? I think Wanderers have to be in the box seat. City just needs to change a few things around. Uh, Melbourne teams occupy three of the bottom four places on the ladder. Melbourne City, um, the only thing saving Patrick Kuznorbo from increased media scrutiny is the performance of Grant Brebner at Melbourne Victory. Um, if Kuznorbo uh, and City don't win this one, he'll come under a fair bit of pressure, I'd expect, from the City faithful. Moving on to Sunday, we've got Wellington hosting Central Coast. Now, these two sides, by the time the match kicks off, will have played only 14 days ago. And in that one, CCM dominated but ended up uh, losing 2-1. Wellington are a lot better than their 11th with just the four points, I think. Yet to uh, win a game at the gong, Rob, and they're going to be without Josh Sotirio for six weeks. The Mariners looking for their sixth win of the campaign. Now, Rob, when was the last time the Mariners won more than six games in one season? The last time the Mariners... So this is a question without notice. The last time they won more than six games in one season, I'd think it'd be probably uh, somewhere around the sort of uh, the 2013-14 season, perhaps. Bang. Yeah. Okay, yes. got it. Yeah. No need for any notice, Rob. It's, uh, it's up there. Thank you. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, I think they win this game, and I feel full for Talley uh, after the great season that they had this year. Um, you know, they've been on hiding to nothing uh, with all the challenges that they've had to face around COVID, and the very fact that they're just competitive every week, uh, I think, uh, is, is a real tribute to him and, and the players in his side. And the final game on Sunday will be Bruce and Raw against Newcastle at Redcliffe. The Raw well, they've been fantastic this season, but they came unstuck against MacArthur, who I think had a plan to to beat them, and they executed it perfectly. And on another night, they could well have won that one. Uh, Macaulay Gillespie, a little bit different, Michael. He was hooking around as almost a left winger, so a little bit of innovation there from the coach, Warren Moon. And I wanted to give a shout-out to Josh Brindle-South, who's been fantastic on his return to the A-League. He played four games for Wellington uh, between 2013 and 2015. He's been at uh, Lions FC, I think, under Warren Moon. He's come back completely reinvented, and he actually looks quite a considerable player at the level. And to finish off, Michael, as promised in the first hour, we're going to have a look at the two new guys who are coming in for Newcastle Jets. Possibly not this week, but they're both coming in from Johor Darul Tazim on loan. Uh, the first one is Liridon Krasnicki, an attacking midfielder. He is a Kosovan, but he's a naturalised Malaysian. He's 29. And secondly, Siarian Abimanyu is a midfielder also coming in from Indonesia. He's 21. So they are going to re-energise the side under Craig Deans. The first one you mentioned, Krasnicki. Krasnicki. Yeah, Krasnicki. He's the one that uh, to watch. He's He's uh, got a cult following. He's massive. He likes the bling. Came in on a private jet. Uh, if you don't mind, brother. 
And then midweek, Rob, we're going to have two matches. Melbourne City against Sydney FC at Amy Park on mm. Tuesday and the victory hosting Wellington at the same venue on Wednesday. Wow. It might be uh, victory central by that time. It'll be interesting to see what happens after that game if they uh, haven't got it together. Yeah, it will be, Rob. It's, um, it's not looking overly good. I think, Michael, we spoke about victory and City are the two sides struggling the most and they were the ones who pulled the trigger on managers of with all respect, a lesser pedigree than what we'd seen in the A-League before during, I think, sort of COVID panic time about mm. three or four months ago. And as a result, they're the two that are, that are sort of struggling. Bring back Muskie? Well, I don't think he'd take the job. Mm, well, he hasn't got a job right now, so he might uh, take a little interim job if um, he's not exactly going to save them from relegation, obviously, but uh, he's going to save them <laughs> from humiliation, if uh, if anything. Right, well done, Willem. Um, Busy next hour coming up. Uh, we've got uh, Simon Hill to talk Manchester City, and we're going to talk a lot more Europe. And uh, there's a lot of other little uh, bits and pieces at the back end of the show in stoppage time. We've got a couple of good stories to talk to you about then as well. Stick around. That's all after the news on Box to Box. Now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The kings of storage moving and Yes, welcome back to Box to Box, second edition news shortly, including Socceroos and Matildas Central. We focused on the domestic competition in the opening hour. We're going to head over, as we inevitably do, to Europe. But this time, instead of talking to a European expert, we're going to talk to Simon Hill. We talked to him about lots of domestic football issues, but he loves Manchester City. You all know it. We're going to let him just wax lyrical about just how well they're going in the Premier League, in every other league, for that matter, that they're performing in. More on Europe beyond City with Dino and Dell and we'll wrap it up with stoppage time as we always do but Willem you got a palm on news I do Rob we'll start with the Socceroos and Matildas Central for the Green and Gold Army with each passing day with each passing week the Socceroos and Matildas respective returns to the pitch grows nearer so don't miss out on your chance to see them play all over the world Michael sign up to the main list for info on all future tours at gjtravel.com.au yes we'll be back Willem some point some in the point, future absolutely. we'll be back Matt Ryan's Arsenal debut against Aston Villa got off to the worst possible start. Some lacklustre defending from his uh, very average teammates. I thought that Michael saw him picking the ball out of his own net less than two minutes in. But from there, I thought he was really good. He made seven saves. The scoreline remained the same throughout. And what do you think his chances are of retaining the gloves ahead of Bernd Leno, who's available this week? Don't know. Um, probably unlikely. However, um, I'm biased, and I love Matty, and uh, I just want him to play every game. And actually, you know, this is... Um, a perspective that I have. I think actually think he's got his nose in front of uh, the number one there, and it won't take too long to work that out. Uh, 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 Keta will work that out, and uh, and I think he'll get into the sticks eventually. And and I just hope for Matt that they sign him uh, uh, outright uh, in the summer. Down in the championship, uh, growing concern around Maslawonga, who's again injured. Michael, he's picked up a new injury this time to his quad. He's done that one at training, unfortunately. Elsewhere, Riley McGree still can't crack a game at Birmingham, but Harry Suter has signed a new deal with Stoke following another clean sheet against Reading. Over to Scotland, Martin Boyle scored a brace for Hibs against Aberdeen, while Jackson Irvine played a little bit over an hour in that one. And Tom Rogic, of all people, has scored his first league goal in 12 months as Celtic beat St Mirren 4-0. Finally to Denmark, Daniel Arzani made his debut in the dying stages for AGF in their win over Lingby. And Alma Bill scored the winner late for Michelin in their win over Randers. 
To our Matildas, Caitlin Ford experienced a bit of a mixed bag for Arsenal in the Women's Super League. She hit the scoreboard early, but then picked up a knee injury as they went down 2-1, so wishing a speedy recovery to Caitlin there. Sam Kerr experienced something similar. She opened the scoring for Chelsea against Brighton, but they went down 2-1. To France, Ellie Carpenter was demoted to the bench for Lyon as they won 2-1 over Mary Fowlis Montpellier, so hopefully just a rest for Ellie. And finally, Rob, to Spain, Ivy Lewick played a full match for Sevilla as they defeated Abar 3-1. Mexican Giants Tigres will become the first CONCACAF side to play in a FIFA Club World Cup final when they face Bayern Munich in the early hours of Friday morning. They progressed past Ulsan, Hyundai and Palmeiras en route to the final, while Bayern defeated Al Ali in their only match. If Tigres are to cause an upset, they'll rely heavily on former Marseille striker André-Pierre Guignac, who scored the only goal in the semi-final. So, Rob, uh, an event the first CONCACAF side to play in a FIFA World Cup final that hasn't really caused a ripple over here, but in other parts of the world, as we well know, a massive story. Yeah, it is. It's huge. I mean, uh, so many brilliant players come out of the region that uh, it's no surprise that it eventually would happen, Edge. Um, it's just a surprise that it's taken this t- much time. Uh, well, they had a team make the semifinals last year, so they were one short, so uh, that was another Mexican team, um, Mon- Mon- Monterrey. Um, so, look, it's exciting. Club World Cup, um, I envisage that this will be the big growth um, product for FIFA in the men's and women's game and every second year, sorry, every two years uh, on non-World Cup cycles, we'll have a, an extended uh, Club World Cup which will include 32 teams and I think it'll, uh, it'll be awesome. And should also mention from an Australian perspective, Jason Davidson saw some time on the pitch. He started the fifth place play of which Ulsan unfortunately lost. Everton have booked their place in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup, having defeated Tottenham 5-4 at Goodison Park. The sides were locked at four apiece after 90 minutes, with Brazilian Bernard landing the decisive blow seven minutes into extra time. Chip forward, Bernard, was he onside? He's finished it, put it in the back of the net. There will be a check, but is that the fifth for Everton? A VAR check. Beautiful finish. Derek and Dean, as always, will have the full FA Cup wrap later in the show, Rob, but it's quite a tasty final eight that's shaping up. We've got, obviously, some big guns, as there always are, and then a couple of clubs who have probably underachieved a little bit in the league of late, Sheffield United Mm. and Bournemouth. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, and these are the opportunities for those clubs who are, you know, either battling relegation to, to have a cup run at some level to give their supporters some joy. And, uh, you know, Bournemouth, uh, uh, who uh, obviously, you know, weren't uh, that long ago in the top flight, and Sheffield United, they probably won't be in the top flight for much longer. So, uh, yeah, to give their supporters a little bit of joy. And we've really enjoyed the, the, the second tier competitions uh, in Europe this season, uh, uh, providing uh, some of those wonderful historical stories and uh, uh, giving us, uh, you know, other football. To, to watch midweek as well. UEFA have reinforced their desire to host the 2021 Euros across 12 nations in the middle of this year. The decision has expectedly drawn some considerable criticism with 11 cities hosting four matches, Michael, just not seeming overly appropriate given the current climate of the world and particularly Europe. COVID-19 has infected 32 million Europeans and unfortunately killed 702,000. That just seems madness to mine. Yeah, I can understand a hub somewhere, but um, the fact that they want to go on with the existing plan of having it on multiple multiple um, cities in multiple countries to celebrate the um, 75th anniversary, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, having said all of that, um, I don't think there'll be any crowds. Matter of fact, I'm sure there won't be. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, you know, it's the 2020 European Championships in 2021, Willem. Rob, flying from London the COVID to, edition. to Baku just doesn't seem appropriate. Well, uh, at the moment you can't, so well, what's going to happen there? Clubs are going to have to if they're going to run this tournament 
across 12 cities. Yeah, well, the Australian Open, um, amidst a lot of controversy in the in the month or two leading up, seems to be going okay right now. Um, you can't really blame uh, the Australian Open for, for any of the uh, minor outbreaks that are happening around Melbourne at the moment. There was one that was attributed to one of the hotels. So you know my opinion on this. I think that we've got to get back to some degree of normality as soon as possible. And just we, well, there's no way in the world we can just wait for everything to be perfect. And, and again, I reiterate the importance of mental health of, uh, of, uh, of people at home who have got, uh, you know, um, well, in a lot of cases, not a lot else to do. So uh, um, this is uh, something that um, we've got to trust that uh, it's in good hands. And, bread and uh, circuses. Yeah, exactly, as the, the famous Roman emperors used to say, feed them bread and circuses and the people will be happy. Welsh football is in mourning following the passing of legendary goalkeeper Di Davies, aged 72. Hailing from the mining village of Glenerman, Davies was a legend of Swansea and Everton before also spending time as a player and coach at Tranmere before retiring. He won 52 caps for Wales and I look forward to Dino's comments later in the show, but Rob, you've got something to add now? Oh, I was just listening to uh, Talk Sport and I'm sure Dino was this morning as uh, we were sort of messaging each other during the course of the day. He he was a renaissance man over so many levels. Uh, when the uh, cancer came back, he refused treatment, but he was a poet. Um, he was also a druid and um, he, he was a much-loved player uh, and person to so many people. So, uh, yeah, I am keen to hear a little bit more about what And he came out of a mining village in Wales and uh, if yeah. you've ever been uh, down uh, the rabbit burrow that are mining villages in Wales, they're pretty rugged joints, yes. especially when he was a young whippersnapper. So football would have been his ticket out of mm. uh, going to the mines like it was for Dean's dad. We might ask Dean about that uh, when we get him on his stoppage time. It would, so it, football was a ticket out of... Some pretty hard times. Well, if you want to get a bit of an insight into that, to watch that classic um, film, black and white film, How Green Was My Valley. It uh, talks about the, the history of the mines in such a beautiful way. So, uh, yeah, but do yourself a favour, as uh, Molly Meldrum would say. Molly would have said that. Rob, just like the time you informed me what a pack of pikers was on here, <laughs> could you let me know what a druid is, please? Okay, a druid is... Um, so, uh, it's a priest, effectively. Okay. So, uh, a pagan uh, priest from... Generally considered to be around the sort of... Uh, um, the... Not... Well, yeah, ancient times. Did you, you know, ever read Asterix and Obelix when <laughs> yeah, exactly. you were a kid? Well, I had them, but they were in French. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, don't you remember Druid? Getafix was yeah, his name. Getafix and, uh, was the Druid. Getafix, yeah. as in he was the yeah, doctor. Yeah. Getafix. So they were they were sort of yeah priest-like figures, but also doctors. And um, yeah, there you, you go. would have had that in your uh, library at home. Oh, when you mate, were a kid. I loved Asterix and Obelix. So fantastic. You, you and your brothers would have fought over the latest uh, publication of I'd, that. Just wanted to get my hands on some of that just that potion, that secret magic potion that Asterix used to sort of become. <laughs> he was good, wasn't he? That yeah. Obelix fell in a bath of, and he always was super yeah, strong. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> there you go. Every day is a school day on Box to Box. Not to bring the mood <laughs> down, guys, but veteran Premier League referee Mike Dean will sit out this weekend's fixtures, having received death threats following a couple of his recent decisions. Dean's decision to send off Jan Bednarek and Thomas Suchek lately have both been overturned by the FA. David Moyes, in particular, uh, expressed some particular distaste over the Suchek call. But having been threatened via family social media accounts, Dean has taken the matter to the police and has the support of the professional officials board. I suppose not a lot to be said on that, rather uh, except to say that it doesn't really get much worse. It's generally abhorrent behaviour. Yeah, we've talked about um, the sewer that is some area of social media uh, over the years on the show, and uh, it's just uh, so sad that something that's become such a powerful voice for for people around the world to communicate to each other, to, to be heard, um, is hijacked so often by um, bottom-feeding trolls. Yeah. 
And just to follow on a final one, Facebook will introduce new measures to reduce the online abuse of footballers by limiting the direct messaging capabilities of Instagram, a platform it, of course, also owns. UK Head of Content Policy Fadzai Madzingira has said she's horrified and sanded by the trend with accounts to be disabled if found to repeatedly abuse others. So, Michael, obviously a very large and slow-moving issue, but at least there's some recognition at this stage from big tech that it can't just be open slather. That's right. Um, big tech's got a big job to get on top of that, I tell you, because uh, it's, a, it's a big issue in general life, let alone uh, in professional sport, Rob. Well, if they're going to ban Donald Trump from Twitter, surely they can ban a few other clowns for saying stuff that's equally incendiary, but we don't want to drift too much in that direction. But the topic is around social media and banning people, so uh, I think it's contextual there. Well, well done. Uh, looking forward to our next guest, Simon Hill. We've talked to him many times over the years, but never have we dedicated a whole chat with him to the love of his life, the Sky Blues, Manchester City, and we're going to do that because they are taking all before them. Unexpectedly, in many cases, well, well I at least thought that Liverpool would just be, uh, uh, well, not necessarily cruising, but heading to back-to-backs, and that ain't happening. All right, Simon Hill, talking Manchester City, next on Box to Box. Box to Box. For Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, the kings of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on Nine Radio NTS News Talk Sport. Now, uh, bear with me. Who, who would ever have said that Manchester City, over the past decade or so, has flown under the radar? But in this season, this weirdest of seasons, coming off the second most weird of seasons in. Uh, last year, uh, it just seems to have been the case. Uh, there have been stories about Liverpool, the champions falling off their perch, Manchester United coming back, and we're seeing uh, other clubs who are doing wonderful things and uh, and vying for Champions League positions. Meanwhile, Manchester City is just motoring along under Pep Guardiola, breaking records and, uh, and just uh, uh, going along at a the pace that... Um, we would expect of them, I should say, and to talk to us and uh, allowing him to wallow in the glory of, of his team's uh, uh, lofty perch at the top of the ladder, Simon Hill, our good friend. How are you, Simon? I'm, I'm wallowing nicely, thank you. You, you just sort of <laughs> sound like it, don't you, mate? It's, uh, it's well, incredible um, the, the way that Pep Guardiola seems to shapeshift, isn't it, that uh, um, he's managed to win titles and obviously other managers at City prior to him uh, have done the same, but... Uh, but seeing the threat that uh, obviously was Liverpool off the back of last season, he certainly couldn't have planned for their injuries and, and the rising uh, clubs uh, in the, the Premier League. To, to reshape the defence with the likes of Diaz and, and the you know, back-to-life John Stones has been a sight to see. Yeah, it has. Um, and, and don't forget, City have got injuries as well. I mean, there's no Kevin De Bruyne or, or Sergio Aguero at the mm-hmm. weekend for all that, you know, the media is making a lot of Liverpool's injuries, and that's right. But uh, City are missing two very, very important players. And, of course, he's had to cope with uh, the loss of David Silva because he's gone back to Spain. Uh, and also Vincent Company from 12 months ago, which was a mistake that he, he made last year, I think, was not to replace Company. But, boy, has he rectified that this year. And, you know, the strange thing is is that Ruben Diaz, I don't even think he was their first choice. Um, I'm not even sure he was their second choice, to be honest. They, they wanted Koulibaly from, from Napoli uh, for a long time. I think they were interested in Harry Maguire as well for a while. But uh, anyway, they went with Diaz. And, I mean, he's just been an absolute rock at the back and has brought the best out of John Stones. So, you know, from being a team that scored a lot of goals but were always likely to leak a couple at the other end, City have become 
almost uh, watertight at the back. And uh, now they've added goals to the game at the other end, which was the problem in the early part of the season. At the moment, at least, and, you know, there's still a long way to go, to be fair, but uh, at the moment, at least, they look invincible. I don't think anybody can stop them at the moment, which obviously for people like me is great. And I have to say the silence from Liverpool fans over the last week <laughs> has been delicious. <laughs> I'm sure it has been delicious for uh, people like you, Simon. But uh, City just never seem to rest on their laurels. There's rumours, and of course there are rumours, that uh, Messi is a target for them. But but what do you think about uh, Messi and, uh, and him coming to the club? Uh, do you think one? Do you think it's a realistic rumor, or two? Uh, do you think it's a, a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit torn on this one, to be honest, for for several reasons. Uh, first of all, I, I think Messi. Uh, look, he's a brilliant player, the best player the world has probably seen since Maradona uh, or Pele, with respect to Cristiano Ronaldo. So, who wouldn't want him in their team? But he, he's, you know, he's 33, 34. Um, Maybe not quite as mobile as he used to be. Where where do you play him? Uh, does he upset the balance? Of, I mean, our team is pretty good at the moment. Uh, where, so where does he fit in? Um, on the other hand, I understand why City would be interested uh, as much as in a commercial sense as a football sense. Because City, you know, for, for all their dominant domestically at the moment... They're yet to build that that true, you know, worldwide status, and I, I know that's one of their aims. I don't necessarily say I agree with it, but it is one of their aims. Uh, and maybe Messi is, you know, the, the missing piece for that. They'd certainly sell an awful lot of jerseys and get a lot of publicity on the back of it. So that's that's one argument. The other argument, from taking my Man City hat off for the moment. Messi for me is synonymous with Barcelona. I actually think it would be a real pity if he was to leave that club, um, because we don't get too many, you know, genuine superstars these days that stay at one club their their whole career. I think uh, you know Ryan Giggs certainly did that. Uh, there, there's maybe one or two others, but not many. And I think it would be a shame if if Messi left Barcelona. Having said that, if he wants the cup. Brilliant. Um, I think Paris Saint-Germain might have something to say about that as well, to be fair. And I think he's probably a, a slightly more likely destination, if I'm being honest. This is Box to Box we're talking to. Our good friend and famous, Australia's most famous, I think, Manchester City supporter, Simon Hill. <laughs> Simon, I mean, those are fine words. A Manchester City, a fan not wanting Messi. What a luxurious position you and your club are in. <laughs> I, uh, I my, didn't say that, <laughs> Michael and I in the studio support Arsenal and Lionel can come I'll go and get him myself and yes, I'll yes. We'll pay drive him business class flight won't we do it <laughs> we, we certainly will but I mean jokes aside Simon the riches of the quad, squad are all there to see you pointed out the injuries but how fantastic of the guys that have come out of the shadows young Foden and Gundogan tell us about how they've come into the team well, I mean, Gundogan in particular has been a revelation this season. He's been at City for, I think it's three, maybe even four seasons. And I must admit, he's always flattered to deceive a little bit for me. But maybe the extra responsibility that's been thrust on, upon him this season uh, with the departure of David Silva, with the injury to Kevin De Bruyne, uh, has brought out the best in him. And what he's added to his game this season is, is goals. I mean, he's... I think he's second top scorer behind Raheem Sterling at the moment and was top scorer up until a week or two ago. So he's become an integral part of that midfield. Phil Foden, on the other hand, wow. I mean, the fact that he is 20 years of age uh, can play in four or five different positions 
and goes to a place like Anfield to play against a team like Liverpool and is A, not phased, but B, utterly dominates and scores a world-class goal to, to round off the 4-1 victory. I think that speaks volumes, not just for his ability, but also his mental strength. Um, and just talking about, you know, those one-club players, I see you said in the press this week, I, I don't want to play for anybody else. This, this is the great thing in, in this era of multinational squads. Finally, we have a player that's a local lad. He's from Stockport. He was a City fan as a kid. He was a ball boy at City when he was younger. And he wants to play for the club because he's a fan of the club. I mean, that's that's our dream, all of us football fans, isn't it? To grow up and play for the club that you love. So I think it's a fantastic story. And obviously, it's got ramifications for England as well if he carries on his his current trajectory because uh, you know he's got the potential to be a world class player he really has I'm not understating that yeah, I completely uh, agree with that. You mentioned, Simon, that you know it is still a long way to go, albeit I do think it's going to be quite a task to catch Manchester City at this stage. But who of the chasing pack could we be looking at? I mean, they're all doing their best not to challenge Manchester United. Um, <laughs> have been in different form. So have Liverpool. Thankfully, Spurs are falling away. But uh, who, where, where do you think the threat could come from, if anywhere? Uh, well, to be honest, and I'm only going on current form, of course. I, I do think Liverpool will come back into things. Uh, they're too good a squad, and they've got too many good players. Uh, you know, to continue on their on their current poor run. United, I still think, are maybe a season away, maybe two. Uh, and I'd note that they've got an injury to Pogba that's going to keep him out for a couple of weeks as well. And I don't think they're quite there yet. The team that I probably think could come through the pack, and, and maybe they're a little bit too far behind to challenge City, but Chelsea under Thomas Tuchel have all of a sudden rediscovered that miserly defence that they had in the early part of the season. Remember, they went 18 games unbeaten and then all of a sudden fell in a bit of a hole and they got rid of Frank Lampard and it was crisis talk. And it, to be honest, I thought it was premature. But anyway... They've gone with Tuchel, and it seems pretty clear to me that his first task has, has been to go back to basics. Let's get the clean sheets. We, we don't concede goals, as the old saying goes. We, we can't lose games. So, you know, I think he's sorted that out. They, they've got players of real quality. And I know Timo Werner's had a bit of an up and down time, the same with Kai Havertz and one or two others. But they've got the depth, I think, that could challenge Manchester City. My only question is, and it's the same with all the others, is the gap too big? But, but they're the team that's probably impressed me in recent weeks anyway. I'm going to ask you a bit of a devilish question here to wrap up, Simon. But you've obviously got Machin Gladbach coming up in the Champions League in a few weeks' time. Would you take a collapse in the league as long as it meant that City <laughs> would win the Champions League? Well, it, you see, this is a strange thing. This is obviously a, a big talking point for everybody. And I'm not saying that I don't want my team to win the Champions League. Of course I do. And all City fans do. But it's not quite the obsession with the supporters that it is with everybody else. Um, you know, you've got to remember where we've come from. 21 years ago, I was watching Man City lose at York. So for us, winning trophies is still a relatively new and novel experience. And if you could offer me the, champ uh, the, the Premier League or the FA Cup and League Cup or a combination that they're in there, thereof every season, I'd be quite happy with that at the moment. Um, of course, at some point, you know, they want to win the Champions League. But, but this is, I, I think it's more media talk uh, than the City fans themselves. We have a love-hate relationship with this competition. You know, UEFA doesn't like us. 
I don't think it particularly wants us in there. And I understand why. Um, you know, we boo the anthem, the club gets fined, and yet uh, it seems across Europe their fans chant racist abuse and they get, you know, $500 fines. So I, I think there's there's a bit of a, a disconnect between City fans in this competition. But of course, you know, at some point we want to win it. And, and maybe this year's, you know, the best chance with, with clubs like Barcelona, Real Madrid in a little bit of disarray, although Bayern Munich might take some stopping. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's going to happen at some point. Um, but as I say, I, th- I think it's it's more of an issue for fans of other clubs in the media than it is for us, for us Blues. We're quite happy, thanks. <laughs> Simon, we might just ask <laughs> you that question again when you eventually do win it and see what the reaction is. If you're <laughs> okay. wallowing before, I think uh, wallowing, uh, uh, gloating and any other word that sort of meets a similar description will be uh, uh, the order of the day. But before we let you go, just briefly, Pep Guardiola, uh, uh, if this season continues on as it does, you're in contention for the domestic treble as well as obviously the Champions League as we just discussed. Uh, uh, the legend of Guardiola just grows and grows. Yeah, I mean, it does. It, you know, obviously, he's had a lot of money to spend, which uh, is a caveat against that. But I think what he's done with City this season in particular is, is to show that it, it's not just having an established team that he can take to a different level, but he can also rebuild. And that's the key. If he proves that by winning the big trophies this season, then I think his, you know, his uh, immortal status is probably secure. But remember, just talking on the Champions League, probably the person who wants the Champions League more than anybody is Guardiola. He hasn't mm. won it in nearly 10 years. Mm. So, you know, there's, there's that little question mark against him as well. So I think he wants old big ears more than anybody, probably. <laughs> well, Simon, you keep enjoying it, mate. Uh, if we can't be happy for our teams winning, then at least we can be happy vicariously <laughs> with you being as happy as you are, mate. So uh, keep on enjoying it, mate, and we'll, we'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks, guys. Have a good week. Great, Simon Hill, uh, chatting about his... Uh, club Manchester City who are having uh, an amazing season still plenty of time to go as you said but uh, it sort of looks ominous doesn't it all right stick around on box to box we're going to continue the discussion on Europe after the break there's been plenty on well I say that every week isn't there Premier League cluster uh, congestion uh, or fixture congestion uh, FA Cup the, the works we've got Champions League coming up but all the rest of it so that is all coming up after the break on box to box box to box for Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, the kings of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is Box to Box on Nine Radio NTS News Talk Sport, and even when it's not your own club, it's nice to listen to somebody who just loves their club being successful, as Simon Hill did before the break about Manchester City. But we're going to talk more Europe with Dino and Dell in a moment. Before we do, though, I want to talk about Chemist Warehouse, and it is time to save big on big brand skincare and sun care at Chemist Warehouse. Get 20% off the CeraVe range, 30% off a Venn, and 30% off La Roche Posay, including their skincare and sun care. There's also a massive 40% off Cetaphil's gentle skin cleanser or moisturizing lotion, one litre, just $14.99. That is a deal. Plus half price off Garnier, Carotene, Aveno skincare ranges, and 40% off the Neutrogena skincare range. Chemist Warehouse, gentlemen, the great savings. They are every single day. Edge, I know you're always down there buying your bits and pieces. You go in for one thing, you never leave without a basket full of good stuff that you always need. Bloom, you're always a regular too. Musashi protein powder, also very cheap. Not doing much for me now, as you can see, but that's not the powder's fault. <laughs> yeah, you've got to work out with it. You don't just sort of grow the uh, the big guns, Obelix style uh, or Asterix style when uh, you take the Masashi <laughs> protein powder. All right, boys, well done. Thank you, Chemist Warehouse, our good friends Mario, Rutena, all the guys, Sam, Gantz, and everybody. Derek, 
Where are you going to start us off, mate? I think there is only one place to start, and that is the sensational match last night in the FA Cup between Everton and Spurs, Dino. You were listening to it on TalkSport. Um, what, what, what happened in the game? Oh, look, it's, um, there are all sorts going on. Um, I wish there would have been a, gra- a really big crowd there as well. You know, that would have been, you know, the, the acoustics are great, but uh, it doesn't doesn't fulfil it, does it? And uh, To be fair, I think for the way I was listening to it, I, I thought Tottenham had the ascendancy. A slow, sluggish start, but then uh, and they start, started to get into it. And, you know, Son was very busy and they kept... They kept um, Harry Kane on the bench till a little bit later and obviously he did score in there but to be fair to Everton and Calvert Lewin I mean he's pulled a muscle and I think it's quite high up in the um, hamstring like glute area so that might be a problem for him but uh, what a game I mean it would have been brilliant to see and I'm certainly going to tune in and have a look at it there were some fantastic goals in the, the game, Dino, when you tune in. Uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson, I thought, was the standout player pulling the strings in that. Everton midfield and the winner from Bernardo, uh, crossfield, left foot shot at the end of the game uh, to put to put Everton through. It was a proper cup tie, that one. Um, looking at some of the other games, I think the other one I want to pick out is managerless Bournemouth reaching the FA Cup quarterfinals for the first time in 64 years. Of course, they sacked their manager, Jason Tindall, who came on to repl- came in to replace Eddie Howe. Um, but, um, yeah, a great win for Bournemouth at Burnley, wasn't it? No, look, it was. And uh, I think it's Jonathan Woodgate. Is that, I'm correcting that, isn't it? He's the caretaker manager at the moment. It is. Yes, it is. Yeah, and, and it's interesting. When you go through the notes, um, you know, like, you know, I'm like trying to get information. Uh, but the actual there is a, a piece that I read that they're actually uh, lining up possibly another manager. So, so I think he's had a fabulous start, Sir Jonathan Woodgate. But uh, the, the yeah. word on the street is it's the old uh, boss from Huddersfield, David Wagner, and uh, well, that, that could be sometime this week or later next week. Wagner knows how to take a side up from the championship, of course. Failed after uh, Huddersfield with his time at Schalke, but let's face it, everyone has failed there recently. Yeah. Um, City record holders, we spoke to Simon Hill a little earlier, 15 wins in a row now. That's beaten Arsenal's record from 1998. So City, no matter what the competition, just romping through uh, an injury, an extra time winner for United and Scott McTominay. They go through against West Ham and Sheffield United, Leicester are through and there are still a couple of games to play, Dino, including Wolverhampton Wanderers versus Southampton. And to be honest with you, that game um, is two teams that have struggled for form this season and the cup could be a good one for either team. Yeah, could. I mean, uh, I remember obviously the Southampton, I think it was 76 or around there anyway. Um, but um, yeah, Wolves and Southampton, you're right. And they've had a, they have a little consistent run and then they drop off. And, and in the last, I think, five or six weeks, they've been pretty poor. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Um, and look, I think Wolves are now starting to pick their form up, but Southampton, after that 9-0 victory, still looking a little bit ropey for sure. Moving on to the Premier League, obviously the massive game at the uh, at the weekend, uh, Dino, was the 
City versus uh, Liverpool game. One of the wags from the one of the red top newspapers headline Alison Blunderland, which I thought was good. Um, but Foden <laughs> running the show in that game. Can anyone catch Manchester City now? And if so, ask the same question to Simon Hill. Is there anyone that can get back to them now? No, I don't think so. I mean, um, Alisson was poor. I mean, he just, I thought he had a, a, a blue shirt on, to be fair. I mean, he was just popping it right to them. And and, and it was poor because generally, from my memory of him, like, I know he's had that injury, but he's always been quite good with his feet. But, you know, the one thing I'm thinking about, with City playing so well they're in, and they're in the, the, um, the, the final, cup final coming up, still in the FA Cup, I reckon this could be as big a chance that they have a, a real good tilt at the uh, Champions League. Could be the quadruple, Dino. We didn't it talk was. to Simon Hill it about was. it, but they're going great guns in the tournament. Gladbach will be a tough tie and we will yeah, go, on to, go into the Champions League in a little while. But uh, looking at the peep, the also runs, I suppose, in the Premier League. Uh, United, and another entertaining game for Everton, three all in that game. A sensational strike um, from Bruno Fernandes. No backlift, just knocks it into the top corner. He is a terrific player. But I reckon win of the win of the round, actually, apart from Manchester City, was Newcastle's three-two win over Southampton. Goals for uh, Joe Willock and uh, Almiron. Do you think, you know, can, can Brucey turn it around? Yeah, look, I think, I mean, there's been a lot of negativity at Newcastle and uh, the Geordie fans certainly aren't happy. But if you, I watched the, the, the highlights of that game and they seem like they had a little bit more freedom to go forward and it obviously paid off and the finishing was absolutely outstanding. Uh, from Newcastle uh, and also the free kick I think from Southampton was top drawer as well but yeah look I, I think they've got a chance it's just like with the running you've just got to you've just got to start just keep, keep picking points up and uh, and that'll be a big boost to them as an Arsenal fan, great to see Joe Willock scoring in his debut up there. He is a terrific little player and definitely worth keeping an eye on. Looking at the Premier League games to come, loads of intriguing narratives. Edge, Arsenal have got Leeds at home on uh, on uh, mon- Monday morning for us, but Sunday afternoon. Uh, what do you think that game could that any that could go anyway? That game. Yeah, it's going to be a competitive game, isn't it? Only one point to separate both clubs on the table, so a, a win for either of them will um, will help a lot. Um, I'm just hoping that Arsenal um, at home can get the job done, but um, I think it's going to be a contest and uh, probably an albiter. Do you think Matt Ryan has any chance of uh, retaining his place in the team, Derek? Oh, it's it's really hard because I, I do think that they've bought the, uh, the, the you know burnt Leno to be the number one goalkeeper, and I think that once we return to this um you know home game in a top premier league um game i think they've got to to put him in but look edge i'm as excited as you guys are in terms of seeing whether an australian can do it at arsenal i've never had an australian player in my lifetime at the club so look i'd give him every chance i think i don't think burnt leno is insurmountable i think he's a decent keeper he's still young he's got a he's got prospects but you know i'm not adverse to if matty ryan can get a run and put 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 some form in there you know give him give him a go for sure and uh Uh, derek is he's a question without notice who was the last male australian to play for arsenal John Cosmina. Correct. Uh-huh. Our well great mate, John Cosmina, who's been to three World Cups with me, Willem. Didn't wasn't going to get caught out as a player, did he? <laughs> <laughs> no, he did well there, Derek. 
Yeah, he, I was not going to get caught out on that question. <laughs> no, he'd never heard of John Cosman until he started working on the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True, true, true enough, true enough. Other games, uh, Leicester have got Liverpool at home. That could be a potentially a, a big game. And of course, uh, City and Tottenham Hotspur jumps off the page as well. Dino, I'll give you a little bit, a bit of time to, to, to uh, talk about Champions League. We've got a few rounds coming up. Liverpool are away at Leipzig. That is going to be one tough game for Liverpool. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a really big one, especially with Liverpool's form at the moment. Um, so, yeah, uh, and I think it's, uh, it's, a, it's in a neutral venue as well. Yes, it, it, it is. Been, yeah, it's a neutral venue. And, of course, in the Europa League, I think... Um, Arsenal and Manchester United will both have to play in Italy in their games as well. And, uh, you know, that is going to be interesting in empty, lifeless stadiums, not even in the right country to see. I think that gives Arsenal a um, a massive advantage, to be honest, uh, and Manchester United, because there's no home advantage there at all. Um, Barca play PSG. G and shades of whenever it was 2019 or whenever it was that that enormous tie but this is the business end now Sevilla Dortmund looks like a good one as well your team Derby Dean I'm sorry we have to keep coming back to this but um, slipped into relegation this week and Sheffield Wednesday moved out um, where, where you know where, where to for Derby um, well look I think nothing's changed other than Sheffield Wednesday winning and our game was postponed so again you're you win your game in hand, um, go to 31 points and you're, you're with Coventry. <laughs> That's where we are. Um, and it's going to be like that until they get... I mean, look, they've had a pretty good run. I think he's only been beaten twice uh, since he's been either caretaker or manager. Um, but, but for me, they've got, to, they've got to win their home games. If you win your home games, you've got a big chance. But yeah, like, I don't think the panic button's pressing now. I think Wickham are gone. I think they're definitely gone. And I can't see Birmingham coming back. No, I, I agree. I can see Derby coming out of it. Yeah, look, you, potentially the quality will rise there. And Rob, the other EFL line, which we've covered previously on the show, uh, Ryan Reynolds and uh, Rob um, McElhenney. I've just bought oh, hey, yeah. Wrexham and they injected two million into the club already. So go Wrexham. Go, Rick, so we'll go. be in the Champions League in about 10 years. <laughs> Good on you, Dino. <laughs> All right, well done, boys. Stick around. Stoppage time next on Box to Box. Box to Box. For Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, the kings of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on Nine Radio NTS News Talk Sport. It's been a fun show tonight. Lots of uh, ground covered with some of our good friends, and uh, we do have a little bit of time left. We want to talk about a legend, uh, a Welsh legend, but uh, there's a, a little fun sort of topic that uh, uh, Derek threw up uh, during the week that we're going to have a, a little bit of a wind up on. So, Derek, um, Di Davies uh, and Dino, of course, uh, Welsh legend, passed away over the last uh, 24 hours. Yeah, um, Di Davis, um, he was born William David Di Davis and uh, born in 1948. Um, And from my perspective, I was brought up, especially when my dad was playing, not that I remember all, all, all of it, was Gary Sprake and Tony Millington that were both really good goalkeepers. Gary Sprake, uh, very much so with the Leeds United, you know, under Don Revy. Um, but uh, Di Davis came in just after my dad 
retired in 74. He started uh, uh, in uh, being a Welsh goalkeeper in 1975. And, you know, for any goalkeeper to have, you know, 50-plus caps, um, you've got to have some respect for him. And, uh, you know, he, he had a fabulous career as well, you know, playing for Swansea, Everton, Wrexham, Swansea again, Tranmere. And um, and for me, uh, he, he was a good goalkeeper. And, and, you know, rest in peace. And also... Wayne Hennessy, I'm hoping, would be uh, interested in obviously this story because it's uh, it's a fraternity when you've got the uh, international keepers. They all seem to look after each other. So, um, yeah, uh, rest in peace. But um, I suppose the game moves on. Yeah, it does. And uh, we've said farewell to a few legends over the last six or seven years on Box to Box. And uh, Davey's Dave just uh, another one to the Heaven 11. So, Derek... Um, I did try to look for a lookalike for Di Davies to, to complete a nice little segue, but um, I didn't find one. Um, the, you know uh, the name of his autobiography, gents? Ne- Never Say Die. Ah, I like it. Beautiful. I think that stoppage time next week is our favourite titles for football autobiographies because there's some good ones out there. Mm, well, Will, Will, Willem's sneering, obviously. He's a great um, sort of author himself. <laughs> uh, Willem Shakespeare. Um, so w- what have you got for us there, Derek, about this lookalike thing? There was a funny uh, tweet you sent out about Sean Dyche during the week. Yeah, I'm just hoping that Dame, Damo on the buttons there might be able to play in a little bit of yeah, Sean Dyche's legendary uh, press conference from last week. Okay, here it goes. Have you never sat in a pub? Well, although that seems like a distant memory, where your mates and just found lucky likeys in the pub. It's one of the best bits of fun you'll ever have in a night. Trust me, just do it. The next time you're allowed in a pub, sit with some friends. You're probably only allowed three, but anyway, sit with some friends or something and just look for lucky likeys. Brilliant, brilliant fun. Sean Dyche. <laughs> How did he get onto that? I, I it actually was a press know. conference. Yeah. It was a press conference. And yeah. he decided think... he didn't want to do it. Mm. And he said, I'm not doing it. And they said, well, you've got to do it. He said, well, I haven't got to do it. And then that's how it started. And then it built up and built up. And you then did, at least he didn't do what then... Marshawn Lynch did at the Seattle Seahawks. I'm just here, so I won't get behind. <laughs> All right, sorry. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> well, I think there was a suggestion in the press box, or the press pack, that... Uh, Dyche looks like Mick Hucknall, which uh, mm. despite the, the ginger sort of beard, I, I can't see it. I think Dyche looks more, li- more like Heisenberg from, from Breaking Bad. Oh, Heisenberg. With, uh, Walter, Walter White. <laughs> just yeah, finished watching that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um, I've, I've, got a, I've got a few more for you, gentlemen. I might just run down and then I'll, I'll get your comments and then maybe we can throw a few other ideas around. Um, some of the most obvious ones, uh, David Louise and Sideshow Bob. Yeah. Uh, Wayne, <laughs> Wayne Rooney and Shrek. Yeah, that's um, a good one. Uh, Ronaldinho and Jar Jar Binks. Um, <laughs> Steve Bruce and that woman, the tramp from late from Home Alone Two. Do you remember the the mm. tramp in the, the New York Park in Home Alone Two? Well, <laughs> that's Steve Bruce. <laughs> that's um, a Steve McLaren and Donald Trump. Um, John Joe Shelby and Lord Moldavort. Um, and apparently Meza Ozil looks like Gollum from The Lord of the Rings. He also looks oh, like Willem Van Denderen. Don't tell me good. that, Derek. <laughs> no. no he's, he, Willem, Willem, Willem's mates call him Mezit um, from time to time, so uh, we might have to post something out on social media for our listeners because they're, they're sort of probably wondering what this mysterious deep-voiced young 22-year-old... Mm. 
23. 23-year-old. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do get told from time to time to look like Ozil. I'm not sure my eyes are that bugged out, Michael, but he's a reasonable-looking man. Uh, your mate's pretty funny. Your mate's pretty <laughs> no, it's funny. Not, it's not my your mates. mates are pretty funny. Not my mates, just random people out and about, maybe two or three times. Um, I'll, I'll move on to my lookalike. We've covered a lot of ground in this show, Rob, so I think we'd better cover some old ground. Mm. And um, I just love it when you put the razor away mm-hmm. and just grow out that beard just a touch mm-hmm. because you just look like one of our favourites, of course, Ufuk Tele. Yeah. He does, Ufuk Tele. I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm, yeah, I'm okay with that. You look like Ufuk Tele when you grow out the beard a little bit. Yeah, yeah no, Robin Williams, uh, Mork from Ork, is and not that's a football player. Um, Ufuk Tele, that, the fact that you look like we're paying homage to your mixed heritage, aren't Yes, we? of course. My the, Lebanese, <laughs> the Lebanese side of your family yeah, yeah, no, that's mixed with the English and it's sort of given that yeah. Turkish look. That's it, a little bit. Exactly. Well, Lebanese, I would rather say, but I do like the Turks because they, they stole our food. Um, you know, we invented Tabouli <laughs> and hummus and all that stuff. But, uh, uh, and Edge looks like um, Robin Williams when he had the beard. There's a uh, there's a nice little photo going around out there, but I don't think Yeah, one Robin of my Williams colleagues from, uh, from the Philippines, from the Philippines Football Association, did that for a joke, and, uh, and, I, and I thought I'd... Let you in on that secret. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm sure our listeners just love this uh, sort of reflection on lookalikes in <laughs> stoppage time, uh, thinking, guys, you must have been struggling to come up with something decent to talk about. But it wasn't. It was a good. Can I, can I throw a couple in? You got about 20 seconds, Dino. Fire away. Uh, Steve McLaren, a lot of times. Mm. Who? And Steve Larry McLaren Bird. with who? Steve, Steve McLaren and Larry Bird. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, yeah. That's a good one. I'll say that. And what's the other one? Steve McLaren and Larry Bird basketball. Oh, okay. That was the one and only. Yep. All right. Pay that one. Yeah. All right, boys. Well done. Um, Dino, have a good week, mate. Yeah, you too. Well done, boys. Thanks again for your efforts, Derek. Thank you. That was good. That was good, that was good boys. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Mesut, well done. Thank you. Ufuk. Ah, well done, Ufuk. And Damien Tardio. Who uh, Damien um, On his full-time gig, part-time, he um, he, he panels uh, the 3AW Breakfast Show, but his, his most full-time gig is, is this one. Is, that's of right. course, box to box. And he's saying, oh, Gennaro Gattuso looks like, of course, uh, yes, Damien Tardio. He's given us that one as well. <laughs> All right, well done, boys. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks again for listening to box to box uh, We've had a lot of fun tonight, uh, and we look forward to talking to you again next week when we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the World Game.